Good morning, and welcome to New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN, where our goal every Sunday is to entertain, enlighten, and expose you to information that can lead to positive change in your life. I'm Larry Hardesty. My guest this morning is a friend, colleague, mentor, author, and heck of a nice guy, William C. Roden. Well, his close friends call him Bill. With sports returning under the backdrop of COVID-19 and social issues, Bill has been covering it all from various perspectives on TheUndefeated.com. We'll talk to him about that this morning. So if you're preparing a nice Sunday breakfast or about to hit the road for an early run, remember your mask and social distancing. Or maybe you're jumping on in a couple of minutes to Zoom in your morning church service. Thanks for making us a part of your morning. We'll discuss sports in troubled times when New York Sports and Beyond returns on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome back to New York Sports and Beyond. I'm Larry Hardesty. Bill Roden graduated from Morgan State University, where he played football and studied history and journalism. As a matter of fact, his journalism career began at the Afro-American Times, which led to a job as an associate editor to Ebony, which had been a major African-American journal since 1945. So after four years at Ebony, Roden took a position as columnist and jazz critic for the Baltimore Sun. He also began working as copy editor for the Sunday Week in Review section of the New York Times. Two years later, Roden became sports writer for the Times and soon had a regular column titled The Sports of the Times. Now, in the mid-90s, Roden also became a screenwriter. Yeah, winning a prestigious Peabody Award in 1996 for his work writing the HBO special The Journey of the African-American Athlete. Early 2000s, Roden's column had approximately one and a half million readers. And he wrote a couple of books and he has joined us at The Undefeated. That's where he is right now, and he joins us this morning here on New York Sports and Beyond. Let's say good morning to my good friend, Bill Roden, or as many of you know, William C. Roden of The Undefeated. Hey, hey Bill, what's happening? Hey, man, the great Larry Hardesty. Man, how you been doing? How you been hanging in there? I've been hanging in there reading your articles, man. You got me you got me going here on The Undefeated. You got me through uh, NBA Restart. You got me Money Through Morality, MEAC, uh, <laughs> you know, HBCU and Howard University. You got me you got me yeah. reading stuff. You know, I, you know, we take shortcuts sometimes. We don't get involved in these long reading processes, so thank you. <laughs> no, no, man, my pleasure. I mean, you're a great thing. I, in, in fact, you know, so, you know, I, I was with The Times for uh, – uh, with 34 years and wrote the Sports of the Times column for 20 years. And the thing is, the problem is when you when you leave a place like the New York Times or the Washington Post and all that, uh, a lot of people are just into the uniform. They're not necessarily into the man. They're into the uniform. Mm -hmm. So you leave and people just assume that you retired or whatever. So they say, no, man, I'm, I'm, I'm writing uh, probably better than ever. Uh, I write you know, a column for the undefeated. And the undefeated is just a great, site, man. It's just a great site. Um, you know, Kevin Merida is executive editor. He's at the Washington Post. He was a uh, manager at the Washington Post. So we really didn't get because he was on that uh, some more of the political track. He, uh, But we, we finally have met up at the Undefeated. And mm -hmm. it's been really great, man. I mean, the Undefeated's got uh, you know, Kevin's the executive editor, uh, you know, Raina Kelly, uh, is imagine editor uh, Monique Jones, uh, who worked uh, at a lot of different places, but she's a uh, deputy editor. We just got a lot of great young writers, man. It's uh, it's the closest thing you get to a to a like working for a black publication, mm. you know. Uh, but it's really been really been great. John X. Miller is a guy who I I've known for like twenty seven years. He's the person I work with on my columns. Uh, Matt Wong does best. It's just such a 
fantastic site. And, um, you know, we, we, we do not just sports, but it, it, we do sports and culture and just um, it's, it's kind of young and hip. Not that I'm young and hip, but it's a young and, and hip website. So, um, but, I, but I write, I write uh, weekly sometimes, twice a week, depending on the news. And it's just mm-hmm. really been uh, just, just an amazing experience. And on top of that, what ESPN did, them defeated, they support uh, a, 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 a um, fellowship in my name. It's called the Roden Fellows. Nice. And, uh, yeah, it's really, it's very cool, man. It's just, we've just named our fourth class. But it's every year we name six really talented uh, students who are interested in the business from six HBCUs. And uh, they write for the undefeated. They produce content. They do, we, we do a bi-weekly podcast called HBCU 468, the Road Fellows Podcast. And, in fact, um, it looks like we're going to really get some, uh, some serious participation from the ESPN podcast group and the um, uh, the radio group, because, you know, there's, if you look up and down the site, there's really no place where you've got these Gen Zers or millennials mm. running stuff, doing their own radio show, doing their own podcasting show. So, uh, yeah, I man, it's really, um, yeah, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> it's, really, <laughs> it's really, it's really uh, been, uh, it's really been a lot of fun. Uh, and as you know, because you work with young people, you it's, yeah. it's just, you know, um, uh, rejuvenation. Mm-hmm. It does. It does. So, 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 did this take you back to the uh, Afro American about oh yeah. a few years ago? <laughs> yeah, a few, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm right. being kind, we, brother. You know, we 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 on the same ship. <laughs> oh my god, that's a hell of a ship too. It's a, it's yep. steadily, steadily growing. I'm like, hey, hey let's slow slow the ship down. And what, can we pull in the port? Nope, nope. 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 Keep rolling. Keep rolling. <laughs> Keep, keep going. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, no, man. But, uh, yeah, it is. I mean, it, it, it's funny you mention that, man, because, you know, I think we both products of HBC. You went to an HBC, right? Or did you? I did not. No, I did not. Did not. Uh, Local product. Okay. City College of New York up on the hill. All right. Well, yeah, well, we're working almost. Well, anyway. But, um, <laughs> but, but, you know, so I've been a product, really. I went to Morgan State. Uh, my first job was at the Afro American newspaper in Baltimore. Uh, the great Sam Lacey uh, was a mm. mentor of mine. Then from the after I went to Ebony Magazine, you know, Johnson Publishing Company. So for the first, I don't know, uh, five years of my career, and then, you know, uh, going you know, to Morgan, I really came out of these black institutions. And, I, I, you know, I think you go where you go, but if you've never experienced either going to an HBCU or or being at a black, you know, being at a place that's where the the the, the president is black, mm-hmm. where the head coach and the every, you know, where mm-hmm. all the people in charge for the most part are black. Your instructors are black, and, and most kids these days uh, really don't get that experience. And um, for me, and then going to a place like the Alpha with Sam Lacey and and um, going to Johnson Public with Mr. Johnson, mm-hmm. and we just have just a phenomenal. Uh, stable of writers write about black stuff unapologetically. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's just it's just been a great. Uh, so, I, so I'm a big fan of black owned, black run institutions. And I'm with you because you you remember I started out at WBLS WLIB Percy Sutton, yep. 
and yeah, uh, David yeah, Lampel yeah. and that crew, and you know Pat Atwell, yeah. Saeed Shabazz, who you introduced yeah. introduced us uh, some years mm-hmm. back. And so once again, I understand what you're saying. I agree with you. It, it's it's different. It it brings you a different perspective, Bill. Uh, yeah. It 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 brings you life as you understand it. And you know what? If when you make the transition to the integrated lodge hall, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it it gives you some some ability to have a, a great foundation because at the at, at the black radio station, I'm sure at the black newspapers, you do everything, Bill. You're not right. <laughs> you do it all. Right. So you yeah, have yeah, that right. foundation, you have those fundamentals, so you're actually more prepared to move yeah. on to as you did with the Times and for me to ESPN. Yeah, and you, like you said, you never know sometimes you don't fully appreciate it. You know, you're at these black spots until you leave and you go yeah. into the and you go into defect, you know, you go to sort of quote unquote mainstream where all of a yeah. sudden you're always in the minority. Every time you yeah. go to the newsroom, you're always in the minority. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you've never been in the majority, you, you kinda never know what it's like to war. You know, you yeah. never know what it's like to Yeah, you know, because even not not yeah, you know, we're not a monolith as black folks and some of the most fascinating conversations I've had about race and racism is at those meetings at the Afro and at, at JPC, mm-hmm. you, you know, because you've got all these black folks sitting around different ages, different experiences. Yeah. And our take about, about blackness and all that stuff is fascinating. So, um, yeah, it was just really a great thing. And, and then when you, by the time you get to the white media, uh, you're, you're fundamentally sound. In other words, mm-hmm. you, you have a you, you have a belief in yourself already. Yeah. I yeah. think sometimes if you if you just go right there, sometimes out of college, there's an insecurity that comes along with I think with any young person, and and on top of that, if you're a young black person working in these big white corporations, there there could be a lot of doubt. And unless you got like the a mentor, mm-hmm. you know, who can mm-hmm. say no, man, you know, you really do have promise. You really are good. You know, you're great. And, and you get a lot of that stuff at black publications. Um, not sometimes, not always at, 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 at these big white, white corporations. Sometimes mm-hmm. yes, sometimes no. But anyway, mm-hmm. that's yeah. not why we... It's a great conversation, though, Bill. (laughs) Bill Rhodes, my guest from The Undefeated. But it's a great transition, Bill, because one of the articles that got to me, well, actually two of them, and it it fits right in what we're talking about, is um, Makura Maker choosing the Mm -hmm. HBCU and Howard University and MEAC in 2020. And, Bill, it just seems to be that, is it just me or are there more folks looking more towards the historically black uh, institutions to continue their athletic and education? I think, I think Larry, it's more, you know, it's more people at least considering it. Okay. Like not just dismissing it out of hand, like, you know, like the white man's ice is colder. Mm. I mean, I, I still think, you know, the power five places you go to Ohio, that's still what it is, what it is. But I think, I think that people realize, particularly if you're a really talented player, you know, if you're a really talented player, it doesn't matter where you go to school, you know, yeah, right. and particularly if you're only going to stay there for like six months, it doesn't really matter. So it, it doesn't matter. Why not go to some place where you will actually, you know, be around some black folks and have some fun and, and, uh, learn some black history. And, and, uh, particularly if most of your, scholastic career has been 
at these predominantly white high schools, uh, you know, it'd be great to go for a year. And man, what's it like to be around, you know, to be in a, in a place like Howard, mm. you know, with all this history where your, your professors are black and, and, and students are black, but they're coming there as part of the black diaspora. But to answer your question, um, you know, I think it's, 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 I don't know if it's a movement yet. It's definitely a moment. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. that when you get five guys, particularly in basketball, five young ladies, five of the top five go to one program, and then they go deep in the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. and, and, and win a national championship. Now, at that point, you begin to make a dent. When, mm-hmm. when there's really a – when you start taking top recruits away from the Dukes and all that, you know, with Zion Williams, uh, says, you know what? What the hell? I'm going to go to NCCU. They've got a mm-hmm. great program. What the hell? I'll, I'll take them deep to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I think that what what they don't realize is that man at, at Duke, you're just another Zion Williams is just another talented black guy who played at Duke. Yeah. But if you go yep. to NCCU or Howard or Morgan and you take these cats to the Final Four, man, you'll be you'll, you'll be remembered forever. Yeah. You know. Uh, so. Um, but but I, I I'm not sure just yet if if it's if, if it's a movement, but it's definitely a moment. Speculation on your part, Bill. Is it because you have a stigma of the of the caliber of competition you have? Is it because you go to a historically black institution? We're going to make sure you go to class. What is it that prohibits folks from thinking more about HBUs other than you know, you know what? Let me give them a shot and see what happens. Is is it one of those two things? What do you think it is? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's, it's a lot, man. I mean, imagine you at age seven. I mean, and we we have you and I since we've been, you know, working professionally. We've been on some of the great college campuses yes, in, in, in the world. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. imagine yourself being seventeen and going to Ohio State. Yeah. Uh, going to USC, uh, going to Oklahoma, going to all these huge places. And then you go to a place, you know, Howard, where they, they may not have the, the shiny facilities mm. or may not have this, may not have that. And when you're young, you can't see the spiritual aspect and the long term, the long game. Mm-hmm. You know, all you see is what's in front of you. Uh, you see the, 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 you know, the stadium, the packed stadiums and all that stuff. When you go to the cocktail parties, you know, or you go around your friends and they say, oh, uh, I'm going to uh, Oklahoma. Where are you going? I'm going to Morgan. Yeah, yeah, really? yeah. So, so, so I think it's, it's a lot of stuff. But for a guy like uh, uh, Maker, uh, I think he, they, his family, they've got values. And mm-hmm. they look through, you know, they, they look through, um, look beyond like the wealth and the glitter mm-hmm. into the substance. And the kind of person you're going to be when you come out of that, you know, I mean, hopefully he'll, st- you know, so, so I think to answer your question, but I think it's, 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 there's, there's so much glitter and gold at these big places. Uh, and it takes a, a degree of insight and sophistication and spirituality to see beyond that, man, to see beyond all that stuff, uh, into, um, the value of a black institution, the value of, I guarantee you, man, when you come out of that, if he would stay four years, 
you're different. You you are a yeah. different person, man. You you're yeah. you're 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 a different person because you, as Doctor King said, you know, you've been to the mountaintop, mm-hmm. and no, you didn't go to USC and and this and that. But we both have talked to enough people who have gone to these huge schools. A lot of black people are they they they, they get a great education, but a lot of times they're frustrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, marginalized, they kind of go through four years and invisible. And if they're not visible, if they work on the school newspaper or become like the black homecoming queen, it's like everything is a big deal. Every accomplishment you make as a black person is like a huge deal. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, as opposed to you go to the black institute and it's just like, well, this is, we expect you to do this. We expect you to uh, be the homecoming king and queen. Mm-hmm. We expect you to you know, so it's just a whole different thing. But, you know, that the, the beauty of, of higher education for black folks is that we need people going to the Ivy League. We yeah. need people going to Absolutely. USC. We need people going to CCNY. We, you know, we, we need mm-hmm. as diverse uh, a representation as possible. So I'm not arguing one over the other. We need it all. Absolutely. Bill Rodin's my guest. You're listening to New York Sports and Beyond here on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. Next on New York Sports and Beyond, we'll explore if players in the NBA kneeling during the national anthem is enough on 98.7 ESPN. Thanks for stopping by New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. Let's continue my chat with Bill Roden of The Undefeated. Bill, I saw something uh, at an NBA game with the restart that I was surprised and wasn't sure I would see. And that was two teams, actually, well, just four teams, because I, I personally saw the Clippers and Lakers do it. But earlier, the Pelicans and the Jazz did it. Uh, and that was kneeling during the National Anthem. Now, you and I are young enough to remember Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, Chris Johnson, Chris Jackson, rather, yeah. who would stay uh-huh. in, the, in the locker room before, during the National Anthem because you had to be you had to stand for the national anthem in the NBA and I was listening to uh, Adam Silver the commissioner who was saying listen I enjoy uh peaceful protest bill I was I was wondering what was going to happen and how this was going to turn out what were your thoughts when you saw it yeah I mean you know, you know listen man it, it, it's 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 fine it's good you know any of this you know any type of uh when you get these brothers and sisters, you know, the WNBA, joining the human race, <laughs> you know, and joining, you know what I'm saying, just becoming great citizens, it's a yeah. good thing. I yeah. love consciousness raising. Now, you know, I love what the WNBA players did, mm-hmm. um, you know, when they just walked off the court before the thing even began. Mm-hmm. So that's a powerful statement. Yeah. Um, so that's fine. But I think the other thing, you just, I mean, we just can't get carried away. Because at the end of the day, these leagues are kind of giving the players permission to do this. You know, they're kind of saying, like the NBA said, well, I know it's in the contract you're supposed to stand, but all right, listen, let's go ahead. You know, it's kind of unusual circumstances. And, you know, when power gives you permission uh, to protest, it really ain't protest no more. But it's fine. It's good. But I, I, I... I think that we can't lose. If I'm in the NBA uh, or the NFL, I'm saying, okay, this is all good, but you know, you, you guys have to do more business. Let's, let's put your money where your mouth. You guys 
or a billion, multi-billion dollar enterprise, how many business do you do with black vendors? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, who made the Black Lives Matters t-shirt? I'm, I'm curious to see. Hopefully that was a black firm that mm-hmm. did that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, who who are the people doing the, putting the paint on? Who are the people, you know, in your PR staff, in your marketing staff? How many black folks do you have running marketing staffs in the 30-something NBA team? So the kneeling and all that is fine, but we want to change the fundamental power dynamic in the NFL, in Major League Baseball, uh, in the NBA, where uh, not only do you have 80% of the players uh, being African-American, but but also you've got um, uh, uh, team presidents. You have the team presidents. You've got um, uh, CEOs. Uh, owners. Got, uh, <laughs> owners. I mean, you, you know, you got yeah. Michael, but you know, so, so see what I'm saying, Larry, it's like mm-hmm. at, at, at your station. And, and so I'm looking for power and control. Uh, even, you know, whether it's at ESPN, whether it's Fox, it's okay to have, you know, the, the, the uh, commentators, you know, and the people on shows being black, but when you go into the control room, the mm-hmm. people who are green, green lighting stuff, I want it to be really significantly black, mm-hmm. you know, not just diverse, but, but black. So um, that's a you know, long way of when to say I like the kneeling, but in a, in a, in a bizarre way, we kind of get to where Jay-Z is saying that he said, well, it's kind of beyond kneeling. It's, and I don't, I maybe did agree in his context, but it is true that the kneeling is great, but we're trying to get power. Right. You know, we're trying to get power and control. And if the kneeling can lead to power and control, then I'm, I'm all for it. Well, I think from, from this standpoint, Bill, the kneeling at least shows solidarity, which leads to the next step. And so could, when you have that, it, it could. It, so it leads to that next step. And, and that's why I'm interested to see, you know, as you had in one of the articles about keeping focus on what's going on off the court for the NBA, that's the next step for me. Because there was talk about, look, we're going to have these conferences and we're going to have these things where, you know, we about how to empower. And so, so that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for that as the beginning step. What's the next step? And as you mentioned, and very well, as you usually do, is – it, it's now about the leverage that you have in going in and saying, okay, this is what happens if you don't do this. Not that it's, we're right. threatening you, but this is what happens. We represent this. You need this. It's about bargaining. It's about leverage. Bill, when it comes down to it, it's about economics. It's about money. Let's face it. It, yeah. it always is. Yeah, that, that, that's right. And, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, <clears throat> you say, oh, we have a league and 80% of the players are black. So, well, that is meaningless if you don't use the leverage. I mean, what mm-hmm. is all it is just a number, <laughs> you know, if, if the NFL is 70, 70, 67%, 70% of the players in the NFL are black, it doesn't really mean anything. If, if you don't use that as leverage uh, to get power and um, what does that look like? So that's, you know, even with the, with the road fellows, you know, we, we take these trips uh, each year, they go to Bristol and we go to NFL games and things like mm-hmm. that. And one thing I appreciate, hey man, all this is is about power and control. Yeah. You know, power and control. Don't get, you know, yeah, you want to be in front of the camera, that's all right, but, you know, who are the people green lights the program? You know, who are the people who hire people? I mean, we can listen to stations now. You listen to Sirius XM. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
I'm like, yes, okay, but but how much power and control? How how much power do black folks have mm-hmm. on any of these networks? You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's, you, you could have all the black athletes talking, but are you producers? Are you presidents? Are you VPs? Uh, are you hosts up and down the dial? Uh, and, and and if and if you're in the NFL, you're black playing in the NFL, and if yes, well, you know, before you interview me, I'm like looking at your station. And, man, you don't have any black folks in position of power and control. Mm. So I think, Larry, to me, that's the next the next step of activism is I don't necessarily need to see scribbling all over the court mm-hmm. and wearing slogans on the back of your T-shirt. Mm-hmm. I want to see you guys use that leverage to get power and control. So now all of a sudden we got all the, you know, we have significant representation in the C-suites. So, yes, yes. You know, I think we're saying the same thing. That Absolutely. That we definitely are. the next level. It, 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 and it's about getting there, and, and it's about who's going to be that person to take that, to organize it to that next step where it's a group effort. Listen, we yeah. you talk about what LeBron's done and the schools and everything. He's done great things, Bill, but that's one person. Yeah. So how do you right. multiply that? Because, listen, he's not the only one making money in the National Basketball Association. He's not the only right. one making money in the NFL. He's not the only one making money in Major League Baseball. All right? right. So, you know, how do you pull that and how do you do something which is interesting because you look at what – Alex Rodriguez and J-Lo is trying to do by going into getting different people from different sports, okay, to add to their ownership group as they try to apply to buy the Mets. See, that's that's the next step, Bill, is you're looking to get everybody a piece of that action to move into ownership and make it on more than one 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 group. Yeah, as you said, I mean, it's bottom line, it's it's about economic power, particularly during the COVID, you've seen that one of the the, the talking points uh, for our community should be closing the wealth and the income gap. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, that's what it's about. So, um, you know, and using your leverage to do that. It's not just one person doing it, but like one person is not going to win the NBA title. It's going to be a team effort. Mm-hmm. You know, one person is not going to win the Super Bowl. It's going to be a team effort. And I think the same thing for our community. It's not just LeBron or, or this person uh, in a law firm. It's how do you come together collectively, uh, you know, collective power. That, that's kind of where it is. It's- Absolutely. Bill Roden's my guest. You're listening to New York Sports and Beyond here on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. Bill, before I talk about the Washington football team, tell me about Burroughs. Um, yeah, yeah uh, Burroughs Pod, Bill Roden on Sports, is a podcast that uh, I've been doing with Jamal Murphy uh, probably for the past four or five years, maybe five, five years. Um, and it's, it's fun. Uh, we kind of have these kind of conversations on it. Um, it's, it's, you know, we, we just have fun with it. You know, um, obviously you want tons of ratings, but it's just fun to be able to, um, you know, to talk riff on these kind of things in this mm-hmm. kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so yeah, so Bill wrote on sports, check it out. Uh, we have fun. Um, and um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. Except, playing a little yeah. jazz on that, Bill. I know, I know about your jazz background. Got a little jazz on, bros. Well, but actually, one of the one of our co-hosts is a guy named Steve Wilson, a great, uh, a great Steve Wilson, great uh, uh, saxophonist, blue multiple in, uh, instruments, uh, teaches, and he is also a huge sports fan. So he's he's he uh, he's on the show a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. And that kind of gets our jazz 
uh, jazz thing in there. But we we will have a lot of jazz. We will have a, a good number of jazz musicians on the show. But but they, the the thing is, everybody who comes on the show, no matter whether you're a doctor or whatever, you gotta love sports. Yeah, so we've had absolutely. a lot of interesting, great people on the show: doctors, architects, lawyers, musicians. But they, what we all have in common is that we love sports. But also look through it through somewhat of an Afrocentric lens. And how interesting is it? And probably happens more than you think about how all of your guests, even though they may not have had a career in sports, sports has had an impact on how they got to their careers, either through uh, the fundamentals of it, through the discipline that you sometimes learn through sports, through, through playing and just not being good enough and having to go to a different area. There's usually a large a contingent of folks that sports has had a relationship to them and caused them to be successful in other areas. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Sports has been a great, uh, a great jumping off point for a lot of people. A lot of us discovered education through sports, um, and uh, and then sports opens so many doors, and uh, it also leads to a lot of great conversations as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so yeah, and that's the great thing about all the people who are on the show, no matter what their background is. Uh, the rally around point is sports. And that, that's, that's, that's the fun thing about it. It's, it's really enjoyable. When we return, Washington's National Football League team finally changed their moniker. That's next on 98.7 ESPN. Thanks for stopping by New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. Let's conclude my discussion with Bill Roden. Washington finally changed the name and the logo of their team. Bill, we've had this conversation for I don't know how long. <laughs> and... What was fascinating to me, and I know it's not the same context, but it really goes back to what we were just talking about with money, that it wasn't until, because Daniel Snyder made it clear, we are never changing this name, until sponsors pulled off and said, we're not sponsoring this, including the folks who named the stadium. Then he said, okay, we'll change it. it. To me, not the same thing, but similar to the Donald Sterling situation with the Clippers. Bill. Those owners yeah. knew what Donald Sterling has said, and he's probably said a lot more than what we happen to hear. A, it yeah. happened to be on tape, and B, when when the NBA walked in and give the players credit too, because they were talking about walking out. So let's let's give them some credit. But also, Bill, when you walked into the Staples Center and the sponsors and the billboards had covers on them, that's when the NBA said, "Oh no, 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 no! You're not costing us our money. <laughs> You're leaving this franchise." Right, yeah, absolutely. Like you said, it's really no more complicated than that. Uh, it was about money. It wasn't about morality. It, you know, we've been arguing morality uh, for a long time. But it was only until sponsors start pulling out that Snyder did religion, you know, and he, he had to do it. And, and that should be a lesson. I mean, you know, this country runs on money. Uh, and if you hit people in their pocketbook, hit corporations in their pocketbook, uh, they're going to they're gonna listen, whether it's NFL coaches or whatever, all the stuff we talked about, about getting more black representation. Uh, if you link black consumers, and we're like multi-billion dollar consumers, and you somehow organize that spending power and say, essentially what they said in the 50s, we're not going to buy mm-hmm. where we can't work. And same thing with we're not going to watch stations where where uh, or, or support products 
that support stations and networks that don't promote and hire black folks, black men and women. And I think that's, you know, that's pretty much should be our engine from henceforth. How do we corral that billion dollar spending power that we've got as leverage? You know, mm-hmm. not only athletes in the arena, but but black consumers. How do we coalesce all this stuff uh, to have impacts on everything from elections to corporations and all that? It's it's, it's about it's like you said. It's about money. It's not complicated. It's, it's no. about money. <laughs> And what 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 has been the tone of our conversation this morning, Bill? Money equals power, and power has leverage. It it it's yeah. it, it's it's basic economics, supply and demand. You want here's the demand: money, power, yeah. and, and leverage. Yeah, I and mean, it's a real simple ball game. You know, uh, it's just the, the, the complicated part is how you um, you know how you organize it. Mm-hmm. How can you get everybody together? That's I think that's the uh, you know that's that that's the that's the the hard part. Bill, a few years ago, you wrote well, you wrote a couple of books, but a few years ago, you wrote a book, Third in a Mile: The Trials and Triumphs of a Black Quarterback in Oral History. And you've got to, when you do the follow up on this book, <laughs> that's going mm-hmm. to include a series of of black quarterbacks who are doing pretty well, who are who are now given. Uh, the given the keys to the Ferrari to quote Willie Cologne when he was with the the Jets about uh, about about their quarterback, uh, how is that going to change? Is this something that is going to continue? You believe, Bill? If I ask you to take out your crystal ball this Sunday morning, yeah, uh, because again, it gets back to money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, uh, Deshaun Watson. Uh, Russell Wilson. I mean, you know, uh, it's not only a style of play, but these guys went. So I, I think it is going to, I think it, 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 it's going to continue if we could ever have an NFL season. Um, <laughs> you know, it, no, it's going I think th- there's not going to be any more switching, switching positions and that kind of thing. I think we're, I think we're, we are definitely past that. But no, I, I think that uh, it's just going to get um, better, more diverse. You're still going to see Dwayne Haskins, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know those kind of people. I think you're going to have a variety of, of of black quarterbacks playing that position. But I think it's here to stay. Well, that's a good thing because you know Lamar Jackson was almost tried to they almost tried to convince him to change his position. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's no, a good I thing he did. I think it's, yeah, no, I think it's here. I think it's here to stay. Yeah, that, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Bill Roden's my guest from theundefeated.com. Great writing as always. Well, you know it's Bill Roden, so you know what you get. It's ESPN. It's New York Sports and Beyond here on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. Bill, pandemic, social reform, social justice, social adjustments, sports. For once, sports was the back was in the background of these other two items. Bill, how has sports what how has sports fared in this situation as we look back on it? Because we're starting to get sports back now. How has sports fared during this situation, and what have we learned about how important sports is to us or not? Yeah, well, it's um, you know what we learned 
is, is just that that we are addicted to sports, uh, and, and and but it was a great diversion, um, and I think we we realized how much we leaned on it for diversion. I think other people, maybe some athletes, realized that it was too much of a diversion, mm. and it took our eye off the ball. Mm. So, um, you know, hopefully, even with these games starting, uh, we'll we'll stay focused. That the the issues will will uh, continue to be prominent, even on talk shows. You know, we'll we'll, we'll continue to talk about issues and uh, social justice issues, registering people, the importance of people registering to vote and getting out to vote. You know, so hopefully, um, you know, we'll we'll just continue to stay. Uh, you know, to stay focused. That that's that's my that's why that's why I want to happen. It's um it 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 would be nice if that happened, and I think that is incumbent upon the athletes to do that, Bill, because we're going to get involved. You know, when we start getting to NBA playoffs, we start getting into postseason with Major League Baseball, we start getting into the NFL season if they do play. Uh, we're going to be focused into our teams again, so that balance and how, how are the athletes going to maintain that balance bill where they continue to be in the forefront where you hear, you know, during the, uh, during some of the, the uh, questions down at, uh, at the bubble in, in Florida for the NBA players, you know, the answers were, it'd be a good day to, you know, uh, arrest the police officers for Breonna Taylor. You know, how, how are they going to be creative to continue to keep these issues in the forefront? I just think they just have to, continue to do it. People like LeBron, I mean, just all the senior athletes in every sport uh, have just, and, and, and the WNBA, they just have to stay on this. Play your games, win your titles, but just keep a way of, find a way to keep these issues in front of people, you know. Um, uh, so I think you just have to, you just have to do it. Do not, do not allow yourself to be distracted by games. I think that's, that's, the simplest way you can put it, don't be distracted. Don't allow yourself to be distracted. Bill Roden, always a pleasure, my friend. Keep up the great work. We'll talk soon. Hey, Larry, thank you so much, man. You keep up the great work, too. And I'll have you on the podcast soon. Sounds good. That wraps up this edition of New York Sports and Beyond here on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. We thank you for listening. We'll join you during the week on ESPN New York tonight and right back here next Sunday morning on New York Sports and Beyond. For my all-world producer, the legendary Ray Santiago, I'm Larry Hardesty. The conversation continues right now on 98.7 ESPN New York.